any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. When the Saints go marching in, welcome to Monday's edition of Any Given Monday. And uh, for you Saints fans out there, I'm sure you were up and about after hearing that song. Uh, I know my co-partner has um, been uh, wielding the axe this week. He's been laying down the law. He hasn't let me have any say on anything this week. And Owen Carter has demanded that we play the Saints song off the top. So that's why you got to hear it in full and in all its passion. And he was singing in the background, I can tell you. Uh, Dr. Dan Eddy here with you for the last round of the Home and Away season as we look forward to the finals and my man who is uh, very much looking forward to September slash October for the first time in nine years, Owen Carter, how good was that? Uh, very good, mate. Thank you for the very kind introduction. I'm not sure about demanding. I, I think oh. you just uh, slid that in there for a theatrical <laughs> effect. But no, that's all good. Very, very happy with the, the win. Uh, it was a bit... Uh, it was funny at three-quarter time, 29 points up and sitting there thinking, I'm still not willing to call it yet. <laughs> and I think I waited till about six minutes to go. And I'm going, yeah, we'll, we'll be right. So uh, good to be back in finals action again, that's for sure. I bet, and we'll talk more about the Saints. Uh, I know my dad's up and about as well. David Eddy's pretty happy with his Saints at the moment too. <laughs> and there'll be a few others that are probably holding their breath for, for as you said, until the last few minutes, but once it was confirmed. Last year we had the, the Giants with their theme song getting the all the pump up and the memes and the GIFs and all those online um, platforms were, were up and about with the Giants song. And if the Saints win a final or two, they might uh, they might be the ones that we get up and jumping about and singing and humming all through the week because uh, it's a bit catchy when the boys are all singing it at once. So fantastic stuff for the Saints. We're going to look at their game uh, a little bit later on. We've got plenty to get through, but we wanted to um, bring in another um, champion player, really, and uh, he's a local. He's become a bit of a local icon. He's coached uh, down uh, Gippsland Way for the last few years. I'll let you do the introductions Oh, but uh, very exciting, our guest you've got for us today. Yeah, very excited to have him on board. So Sydney Team of the Century, State of Origin rep for New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, Oz International Rule Squad 1990, two-time Bob Skilton Best and Ferris winner. Uh, two flags with Clarence in Tassie, coached the Tasmanian State Team, ACT Rams and the TAC Cup. Um, there's a fair bit on, so I'll, uh, I'll run out of time if I keep going through it all. Stevie <laughs> Wright, welcome to the show. 
Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Owen. And uh, well done to the Saints. It's, it's good to see him in there and uh, some new blood in the finals. Yeah, yeah not wrong. Yeah, yeah, and when you were up and about with the Swans, Steve, um, the uh, the Saints weren't exactly a top t- top team during that nineteen eighties period, were they? They've come a long way. They have, yeah. They they, they weren't flashed back then, and they they used to water their ground to, to make it a bit muddy and uh, slow everyone down. And yeah, but uh, they were a good club to play against, and down there at Moorabbin was always uh, a good crowd and uh, probably a little bit one eyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're very famous for that um, Tacking on to uh, your intro there So, as we say, uh, all the other things are at the highest level But you've also coached at SANFL level So you're coaching the Central Districts You got into a grand final and a prelim uh, You're coach of the year in 96 You coach a few teams in the Southern Footy League And the state rep t- Oh, sorry, the... Uh, the rep team for the footy league as well, AFL Canberra, North Ballarat VFL, VAFA. Um, then you made your way down to uh, Menian Dunbulk United a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, that was to do with the relocation of you going to Phillip Island. Um, so out of all of those milestones, what was your proudest one, mate? Uh, oh, you know, I loved coaching in Tassie. I was um, still playing down there and, you know, great people. But uh, it's probably just coaching generally. You know, I, I believe that uh, I'm a coach that goes to a club and uh, leaves them in, in better shape than when I got there. And, you know, if you look at, you know, Clarence, they, uh, they won another seven premierships after I left. Uh, a couple of years after I left Central Districts, they won, you know, uh, nine premierships just after I left. And, you know, so, so most of the clubs that I've, I've been to, I believe I've improved, and that's, I think, the job of a coach. You, you played under a few coaches at, at South Melbourne and Sydney, mate. Uh, I, I imagine Tommy Hafey left a fair impression on you. Yeah, he, he was probably the, the main person that influenced my coaching. Yep. And it's not just on field, it's, it's probably off field, just about how you treat people and how you treat your volunteers and your... You know, your staff around the football club, he, he was just fantastic at getting everyone involved. And I, I believe that, you know, a lot of my coaching now is, is about that. It's not just about the players, it's about the people around the, the footy club. And it's it's got to be, you know, all in. And, you know, it's everyone that celebrates the wins and the losses. And so, yeah, you just got to make sure that you include everybody. Imagine uh, watching how he managed the likes of a Greg Williams personality and then a Warwick Capper and y- yourself and y- there's so many great names that were there at that time. I maybe he might have had Reese Jones as well. So you know, he's managing some pretty interesting characters. So that must have taught you a few things about how to maybe treat people individually, or or, or did he try? How, how did he try and manage all that? Well, it's about. You know, treating an individual, you know, you, you can't just put everyone into the one basket because everyone's different. So it's about getting to know the, the players personally and their families and, you know, what makes them tick. And, you know, once you, you learn how, how they tick, I think you get the best out of them. I'll bring you back to uh, local stuff, mate. Uh, so what drew you out of Menion and decided to kill, uh, sign up at uh, Kilcunda Bass? Well, as you said, you know, I'm living at, living at Phillip Island and uh, I took on the the MDU job, you know, uh, because I, I knew somebody here at Phillip Island who played at the footy club and, you know, we spoke about things and 
uh, in the end, it was an hour and ten drive every training session uh, there and back. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, an opportunity came up to to drive twenty minutes to training and twenty minutes home. You know, you, you weigh those things up, and uh, it was one of the, the main reasons that I chose to to go to Kilcunda Bass. Uh, you had a. Um when you, when you went down to Phillip Island originally to permanently relocate, I did hear a rumour that it was a couple of other clubs that may have been uh, trying to chase your services. Uh, are you able to tell us uh, any of those clubs at all? Uh, well, I uh, had a, a chat to Phillip Island who yep. chose to go with uh, both of them and I, I, I said that that was a fantastic opportunity. And was, mm. You know, he's a local local kid and, you know, to come back and and coach the, the club that he played with. I, I thought that was the right decision for them. Uh, I had a, uh, a chat to Kilcunda Bass about being an assistant coach, and then the uh, the MDU, MDU job uh, came available, and I, I decided to go there. I thought I could help uh, improve them. They, they hadn't won a game the season I, that I went there. We didn't win a game in our first year, but last year we, we improved and just missed out in the finals. So I just thought I could go there and, and make a difference. Yeah, and, and you did that for sure, um, uh, Steve. I'm an old Stony Creek boy. My family all played footy there, and uh, so you, you'd know all about the rivalry between Stony and Meenan. How um, how did you? Uh, how how challenging was that uh, last couple of years in the in the Alberton League? Given that there was so much conjecture about what was going to happen with clubs and and uh, and shifting to leagues, and it, it was a lot of uncertainty. So that must have been a challenging period for you. Yeah, it was challenging and disappointing because, you know, when I, I first went there, you know, we, we thought that we would be moving, you know, the year after and then nothing happened. And mm. uh, so, you know, it's a credit to the, the six clubs that were still there that they just got on with business and said, OK, well, it's still a competitive competition and, you know, we'll go ahead with that. And that's another disappointing thing for myself that I, I won't be there to, to take them to a new league and a new challenge. But, you know, that, that's football and you, you move on and you get on with the next challenge. Yeah, that would have been uh, even more trouble for you too, going to Midgitty. Um, Campbell Brown, uh, is, am I right in saying he's your assistant coach for next year as well? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're hopeful that he will play some games. Uh, Campbell's yep. still uh, waiting to hear about what happens with the VFL because he, he commentates there, but he'll, he'll be giving us as much time as he can and Hopefully we can get some games out of him and get him out in the field. and uh, Just fantastic to get him out in the field and, and teach some, some guys some tricks. And, uh, you know, the, the way he went about his footy is hard at it and, you know, it's, it'll set a great example for us. Have you worked um, with him before at all? No, not at all. No, I've uh, at this stage had uh, one conversation with him on the on the phone and, you know, when all this COVID stuff, so what? all done with you know hopefully we'll get together and sit down and and work out uh, our next move so is it going to be a a good cop bad cop type scenario do you think where you're going to be the uh, <laughs> the do it this way boys play it fair and then campbell's just going to sneak in behind you and say get up and give him one give him a bit of a belt <laughs> uh, i'm i'm from the old school too so uh <laughs> yeah we, we we don't know yet you know we'll, we'll just uh see how that plays out but uh the way i like our players to the players pretty hard at the footy so uh we're yeah. probably on the same page that's how certainly how you played it back in the day, and 
Uh, I'm sure it'll rub off on your players. What do you see as the biggest challenges coming out of this whole COVID era? Not that we really know what next year has in store yet, but what um, what are you sort of focusing on at the moment looking towards next year? Well, it is pretty hard, you know. We're not knowing when we can start to get together, when we can start training. So you, know, you like to start to plan, but you haven't got any, any set dates. So you, you've just got to say, well, you know, when we can get together, this is the way we want to go. You know, we, uh, we're out there recruiting. You know, Scott Anderson, who coached Stony Creek last year, has, has yeah. come back to Killy Bass, his, his home club. As, uh, you know, he's, he's doing a lot of the recruiting. So we're, we're, we're still in that, that phase of recruiting and trying to get guys to, to come to the footy club. And he's, so far, he's done a fantastic job in, in getting some, some guys who are signed up. So we're we're still in that phase and just really waiting to see what we can do. Uh, your young fella Josh, he was uh, playing for Menion when you were coaching down there. Has he followed you to Killy Bass or has he stayed at Menion? No, he he will come to to Killy Bass. Uh, uh, it just makes sense that you know he lives with us here at uh, mm. on Phillip Island, so it just makes sense that he he comes with us. And you know he uh, he's a player that made the uh, the team of the year last year, so we're, we're hopefully he's got something to offer. Particularly when uh, it's going to mean free free petrol if he stays with Dad. <laughs> if, he had, if he had gone the other way, uh, he'd be stumping up for a bit of fuel. <laughs> well, we normally take his car, so it's uh, it's him paying for it. Did you have you had much of a chance to have a look at the other West Gippy clubs and see what they're all about? Uh, I've seen a number of games. You know, I used to go to the, the uh, Easter game down here at Phillip Island and. You know, it's a, it's a step up from from you know where I've come from, the Alberton League. It's a, it's a step up in in competition. So you know, I realise that. So you know, there's some younger coaches there, and you know, I'm probably going to be one of the, the oldest coaches coaching. So yeah, you, you've got to you know, keep your finger on the on the pulse, and you've got to make sure that you're up to date mm. and things. So it's going to be a, a challenge for myself and also the players coming in, particularly when you. Your hometown team, the the Phillip Island, has been such a force for the last few years. So you've, that's a huge challenge in itself. Just trying to uh, find a way to knock over that side. Yeah, and that's that's right. And, you know, it doesn't matter what competition. In, you know, there's, there's always going to be a challenge. So, you know, they're they're the benchmark. They've won the last two premierships. So uh, that's what we're, we've got to come up to. And you know, we're we're, we're hopeful that our recruiting is is going to be. No, quite good, and uh, hopefully the players that are coming in can can match those guys. Hmm. Uh, coming into next year, uh, do you have any expectations in terms of uh, what's going to happen, or are you just hopeful just to get on the park and get the boys going? Well, it's a bit uh, like everyone hopeful that we can get some footy going. Just not just for our competition, but the, the whole of Victoria is just so important. That uh, guys get out there and they can have a kick, but you know our, our expectation is that you know you, you make finals. That's I, I would say every team would be hoping to make finals. So you know we're, we're saying that you know we're recruiting well, but uh, also you got to you know consider the the guys who are already there that you know hopefully they can they can step up and with better players around them that uh, we can make some finals. And when you make the finals, who knows what can happen. Yeah, exactly. And and do you keep an eye on your old team? Do you do you still sit down and watch the Swans each week? Uh, yeah, yeah. I still like 
you know, watching the swans. Uh, my son Josh is probably more more passionate than I am. Just I, I realise that I, I, I've got no influence on it, so I can just sit back and watch the game. And you know, I'm, I've been been pretty happy with the way they've been going. They're young, they've got players missing, and they're just been having a crack. And that's all you can ask. Definitely, yeah. They definitely had a better back end of the season, uh, haven't they? they? They did start off a bit rough, especially losing Buddy early. Yeah, they did, but I think there's a real future. You know, I think some of the players, and they're going to be better for you know getting the run this year. I think they're going to be better off next year. They're going to have more experience, and then you bring your buddies back and you know, your heenies and guys like that. I think, uh, yeah, there's a bit of a future there for them. And just to um, give us a tip, who do you, who do you see as probably the, the team to beat for the finals coming in? Well, yeah, you, you, you've got to look at the, probably the top four. But, you know, I like Brisbane. I think you know, they've got some exciting players and uh, playing home finals is going to certainly help them. Uh, but uh, I think Richmond, you know, Richmond are just uh, coming good and just the experience they've had in the last couple of years. And they play well in, in Brisbane, so I think the Tigers again. Yeah, fair call. I think they're probably still most people's tip until until someone can <laughs> knock them off. Uh, that, yeah, that, you're, you're spot on. Hey, hey, Steve, we could talk to you all day, mate, but um, we'll let you go. But we, we're looking forward to some footy being back next year. And I dare say we'll try and uh, wrangle up a couple of chats with you throughout the season, which will be fantastic. Yeah, that'll be my pleasure. Awesome. Thanks heaps for that. Stevie Thanks. Wright, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Stevie. Good on you. Night. How good was that? Oh, chatting Very with the good. Swans team of the century star in Stevie Wright. And if you if you want to know a bit more about him, just Google him and have a bit of a look around because he's uh, he's a bit of a gun. I did a talk down at Phillip Island with Greg Williams and, and Stevie Wright uh, last year, I think it was, and... Yeah, still looks fitter than me um, <laughs> and uh, st- would still give me a run for my money. But it sounds like he, he, he sounds like a really nice uh, placid bloke, but it sounds like he's still got a bit of that mongrel in him. So he might, uh, mm. he might rev him up and, geez, and then you get Campbell Brown running around on the field delivering the coach's messages physically. Uh, <laughs> definitely a team to go and watch next year. I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing how they run out whenever that round one game finally kicks off. Yeah, absolutely. They recruited pretty heavily at the start of the year, and obviously this year hasn't gone ahead. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those players they retain for next year. For sure. But a great get, um, getting two uh, very highly credentialed um, AFL figures. Fantastic. On to the footy from this week, and uh, we've got one game to go. Tonight's game, the Magpies and the Port Adelaide, which still shapes the the finals, which is which is fantastic, we get to the last game of the year. The AFL's done very well to get to the end of round eighteen. Mm. Um, Harley Bennell tried to ruin it uh, last <laughs> night, by the sounds of it, and we'll discuss that shortly. But uh, really, to have only been what maybe four or five hiccups in the whole season that I can think of, um, that's pretty amazing, really, considering the logistical nightmare of shipping people all around the country uh, when you actually sit back when we look back and the season's done and dusted and we look back I think we're going to be a bit blown away by what the AFL's actually achieved this year yeah you could definitely foresee it being uh, a bit more of a, <laughs> a problem at, at yeah. times um, and you got players that uh, have, have come and done the wrong thing and and uh, 
fluffed around a bit, but yeah, no, they've done very well, and uh, I think you gave a bit of insight about a month ago about what's involved in in just getting one family there, let alone yeah. all the other people. So, now well done to the AFL, and uh, look forward to uh, a final series. Definitely can't wait. It's my favourite month of the year, um, even though it's starting a bit later at this <laughs> time. But um, just to round eighteen, North Melbourne and the Eagles first up, and North well, they were just. They did pretty well, really, for the first quarter and a half, and then, or even up till early in the last quarter, to be honest. And then, mm. um, and then the Eagles stepped into gear and did what they had to do to win. But uh, full credit to North for fighting that out, and then, pretty much straight away, um, oh, just the score. Sorry, um, it was seven-seven uh, West Coast forty-nine to four ten thirty-four North. So if they'd have taken a couple more chances, they might have uh, really. And and there's been a couple of games like that this round where. Mm. Walk up certainties have, have been done, and we'll discuss them. But uh, and just as, pretty much as soon as that game was over, um, the cull started. The the kangaroo cull. Um, eleven <laughs> North players. Um, I won't even try and name them all, but eleven North players told uh, times up, and and more than that, um, Ben Brown, and and I, I hear a fair bit about. Um, Number four, who I can't think of his name right now, um, their star player. Um, can't Not think talking of about Higgins. Uh, uh, Higgins, yeah, sorry. Um, both of those guys, I hear whispers that uh, they've both been given permission to have a chat around. So it's interesting about Higgins. I would have thought. Yeah, you'd be hanging on to him, but Ben Brown, yeah, there's been something not right there this year between yeah. them and and just his form and just everything going on, and he had a few issues off the field as well. But so there could be thirteen ish changes for the Kangaroos, which is quite a stunning, <laughs> stunning figure. It's Carlton like a list changeover, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah look, as I say, North looked uh, really good early. They actually kept Eagles scoreless in the first quarter since mm. round twenty one nineteen ninety eight. So that's wow. the first time they've been scoreless since that time. Um, as I say, the Eagles started to come good halfway through the second, but North toughed it out. Uh, Eagles just classier unit, more efficient. Uh, Ruse overpossessed the footy, kept handballing to a, a guy under pressure. So it tends to be a trend in the in the more bottom teams where they'll they'll try and get a chain of handballs out of out of uh, congestion and they'll just end up handballing to a bloke that's right under the hammer and mm. that was uh, definitely true with North. Uh, Josh Kennedy's ankles are concerned for West Coast too. Yep. Um, they might be a bit lucky that they've got a week by but um, as you say, that started the, the exodus of the North uh, delistings. I've got the list here. So McMillan, Magic Door, Jasper Pittard, Ben Jacobs, Paul Hearn. Mason Wood, Sam Durden, Marley Williams, Joel Crocker, Lockie Hosey and Tom Murphy. So there's probably a couple there you wouldn't be surprised at, but there's definitely a couple there I was surprised at. Yep. Um, and I'm pretty sure at least two of those were in their leadership group this year. So, yep. uh, yeah, uh, look, that, uh, and with the Ben Brown thing, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's potentially a um, conflict of uh, viewpoints between himself and the coach. So Ben Brown was pretty much doing pretty well prior to uh, Reese Shaw's arrival so yeah. um, there might be a, a bit of a conflict of uh, approach there who knows we're not in the inner sanctum no but yeah you're right the timing's interesting and um, I mean that hasn't helped that the team hasn't been great but uh, mm. even when it was getting in there Benny just looked off the ball didn't he it's, it's, a, he did. it's a real odd one so it'll be interesting when eventually 
the news of all that comes out. But he'll be looking around, and um, I dare say a few teams are working pretty hard on trying to get Sean Higgins out too, which still still playing some pretty good footy, so that would be a big one. Um, so North finish second last. They uh, they are lucky. The Crows played pretty well, and we'll talk about them in a sec. But um, played pretty well early, but couldn't sustain it. So North only by percentage in the end did they hold off Adelaide for last spot. So at least they've <laughs> um, held off from claiming the wooden spoon, which is <laughs> you know pretty embarrassing. But the Crows get their first ever. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting how that played out. The Eagles will finish fifth. Oh, am I correct? That's a positive. Yep, a fifth. Um, yep. So they'll get a. Be interesting. I assume they're going to get a, a Perth home final. I imagine that's how I that'll work. That's the case. Yeah. So with Melbourne being eliminated, um, it means it's it's probably it could even be could it be your Saints? No, it could only. Uh, it's a bit of a. I haven't got the final ladder here in front of me, but yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah. So the. It's interesting. I think it depends so, where uh, whether Collingwood win or lose tomorrow as to where everything sits. So. Yeah, so it's still a bit. The Eagles are definitely fifth, and then Saints will finish above the Bulldogs, but it just depends what happens with Collingwood. So yeah, there's yep. still something to play out there, which is which will add a bit of intrigue as there is for the for the top four as well, which we'll talk about. Um, but all you wanted to talk about, and I had to tell you that there was other games on this week, but all you wanted to rave on about was the Saints who just saved the Giants a real touch-up. Uh, 12-10, 82 to 3-12-30 and yeah, we talk about bad years. I can think of some bad ones over the years. Essendon had a shocker after their 93 premiership, missed the finals. The Crows had a stinker after 98. Yep. Uh, I think they really I think that might still be the biggest fall from grace from memory. Um, they dropped oh, way down the ladder. Um, and the Giants, yeah, it's up there, isn't it? The, a bit like the Crows that after they made the grand final where they just fell away and mm. yeah, just everything that could seem to go wrong. For the Giants did go wrong, and they've uh, going to be an interesting off season, isn't it? I, I don't know what you make of it all. Before we talk about your Saints, just something on the Giants, mate. What um, what do you think about where things are at? Yeah, well, the, the whispers are that there's going to be a, a bit of player movement there again. So, um, no, I don't have too many tremendous insights into what they're going to do, but. Cameron's uh, got a few issues he's going to have to sort out for the next couple of years, and if they drop even further, they might even might not even see out his two year extension. He might only get the the one year, and then um, they'll be looking elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to see where they end up in twenty 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 one. That's doesn't sure. roll off the tongue very well. No, it doesn't. No, but it, <laughs> it will if uh, your team's the reigning premiers going into next year, mate. Which they mm. might they might give it a challenge this year. The Saints they're playing uh, remarkable footy really uh, I don't know if us neutrals ever predicted that they'd be finishing in the top six or seven teams but I'm sorry if you can hear the barking in the background that's my dog going crazy <laughs> at a shadow outside but um, the yeah the Saints uh, the turnaround's been amazing and you can just sense there's a uh, it helps when you're winning but there's a real vibe around the club at the moment mm. which I'm sure for yourself you've noticed something to do with Brett Ratton as coach has really provided this whole new lease of life you can tell the players uh, play for Rats so he's a genuine bloke who genuinely wants to get the best out of his players so that 
that comes through very loud and clear from from my perspective and i'm sure it does for most others as well um you, you read all the articles and interviews that he's had and uh anyone that's spoken to him uh can't say enough good things about him so look credit to rats he's uh got some kilda back in the finals for the first time since 2011 um and he's got the the faithful excited once again um the amount of amount of people there uh who were pretty downtrodden leading into the, this game um given the amount of very close losses we've had this <laughs> year uh now it's good to actually sew up a spot and uh, i don't want to get too complacent as a supporter just being happy being there do want to get a bit further so uh whether that happens i don't know but it can it can be a who knows it could be a 2016 situation like the doggies who just scraped in in the seventh and ended up going all the way but we'll have to play our, our very best games uh for the rest of the year if that is to happen uh, yeah, and it's all about momentum at this time of year. So hopefully the week off doesn't stall that because it, it, it mm. can have the positive effect and it can have the negative effect. Sometimes you just want to keep playing because uh, the vibe's so good and you're just up and about and you, you just your confidence is at the supreme level. So uh, that, that's the challenge for the Saints to sort of channel it for a week and a bit and then, then pick it back up again. Yeah, well, the the bonus of that uh, week off too is they'll probably get Zach Jones back in for that first week of finals. Oh, yeah. So he did uh, miss with a, a bit of a injury niggle. So it's good to the fact that we could do that win without him because uh, he's been a pretty core cog in that in that midfield in in terms of getting us first use of the ball and and getting it down to the forward line. Um, Jack Steele's been amazing. Most people are talking him, about him as a lock in the All-Australian midfield, which is really good to see considering we gave up a second-round pick for him to GWS four years ago. So he's come mm. along very nicely. Uh, they're talking Definitely. about him being the next captain as well. Yep. Um, it really helps too that GWS didn't turn up after halftime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, in, in fairness, GWS were actually playing really, really well in that first half. Uh, they just didn't convert in front of goals. And had they have actually... Uh, slotted a few of those shots on goal through it we might be having a different conversation but I think um, the fact that they knew they had to win by about nine or so goals in order to be any chance to make the eight I think once they were down at half time it all became a little bit too hard for it and they started mentally preparing for their mad Monday um which can't uh, be that mad this year. <laughs> no um, I don't know <laughs> what Monday. is based are they are they uh, up in Queensland yeah, good. I think it pretty much everyone is, aren't they? Um, they, um, yeah, it's Mellow Monday this year. It's just stay in and have a lemon squash and just <laughs> <laughs> hire a, hire a movie. Um, to, for the for the reigning grand finalists to not kick a goal in the second half, I mean, well, you know, that's mm. um, yeah. There's some questions that need answering over the summer, but all the talk we need to worry about is on the Saints. And you're right with Jack Steele, uh, just having a scan at the Herald Sun Player of the Year Award and going into this Sunday's matches, he was sitting third. Uh, I don't think anyone can catch Lockie Neal in that, but he's, um, yeah, third. So that's, that's a pretty imp- impressive uh, performance on the year. So uh, the Saints are maybe reaping the benefits of that deal now, which is fantastic. Yeah, especially considering he was used as a tagger by Rich under Richo yep. uh, when Richo was at the helm. So the fact that he's been able to come up and be one of the primary midfielders for St Kilda is, is really promising. Um, 
But yeah, I, I could go on and on about that game. I, I actually ran out of room to write a one notes on that game. So. <laughs> all right, we'll move on. Yeah, we'll, move we'll move on. on. But uh, well done to the Saints. We're all excited for you, and uh, it's going to be an interesting final series. Oh, when you before you move on, I did want to mention one thing. Uh, ben Patton's game on Toby Green, so it kept yes. him down to, I think, 12 touches, and he pretty much had no effect on that game. Yeah, yeah, huge win. Um, my Bombers... Um, Nothing to play for other than a chance to knock a team off that was pushing for the finals and the coach of the last, what is it, four, four-ish years for, um, I've, I've lost uh, to them, one, two, three, four, four or five years, um, John Morsfold who came in and had to mend a fractured club and it was very fractured. Uh, he, he's done a great job despite us Bomber fans probably wishing there was a bit more success but in terms of um, what he did off the field for over a long time, he was really, really important. Uh, you would have thought the players were just desperate to come out and burst from the blocks and really just show it for the coach one last time and say thank you. Uh, and they were pretty insipid in the first, um, to pretty much first three quarters, really. Uh, not that it was a real high-scoring game, but... Um, margin was only, um, what was it, 28 points at three-quarter time, but... Melbourne just seemed in control for most of the game. I, I thought the Bombers were pretty ordinary overall and I was really despondent and Joe Danaher hadn't touched it and everything was happening. And then uh, Ben Rutten, I, I assume, uh, threw, threw his star forward in the ruck, and, which was a bit of a risk. You don't really want to be injuring him uh, in any other way than, than if he's in a marking contest or something. You don't want to be putting any other options in there. But um, Joe helped to turn the momentum. Things change. And Essendon charged home early in that third quarter and I must admit I was a little bit toey on the couch myself I was getting yep. a bit excited and I thought we might might come home here got to within seven points and then uh, Melbourne's class won out and they, and they kicked off to win 10-8-68 to 7-7-49 so I wasn't as sour after the result <laughs> because we at least found a bit of fight towards the end but Melbourne snuck into the eight and had 24 hours to sit and stew and hope and pray and then um, the doggies ruined it <laughs> on Sunday night but what did you make of the game and uh, Melbourne deserves probably to be talked about more but I know Essendon will be and, and just quickly uh, five players have been uh, um, well I guess got the cut this week Sean McKernan, Mitch Hibbard, Kobe Much, Josh Begley, Noah Gown who uh, you'll talk about later um, Connor McKenna's obviously left and Tom Bell Chambers has retired. So there's seven changes for the Bombers so far. There might be more. We'll wait and see. Yeah, no doubt. Um, look, the Bombers uh, did stay in the contest early, uh, but it was mainly due to Melbourne's poor kicking in front of goal. Yep. And that's been the case in a lot of games this year where a team has probably dominated general play, but just their inability to convert in front of goals kept other teams in the in the game uh, I did like Petraka and Oliver and Fritch down forward um, he really tore uh, that back line apart for yeah, yeah, bits and pieces of that game um, and he, he's had patches throughout the year where he sort of threatened to do that but he seems like a bit of a confidence player if it if something doesn't go right for him he might just drop off a bit so that might be something he has to work on but they've definitely got something to work with there because he's Definitely like a, a third sort of medium tour, which they can use as another option outside of Wiedemann and whoever else they've got down there, maybe McDonald. Um, I really liked... I reckon that was McDonald, Tip and Woody's best 
game I've seen him play for a while. He just yeah, didn't get his hands on it enough. Um, he looked really dangerous when he went near it, and it was yep. a, it's the Waller of old. Um, yep. When he went near it, it looked like something was going to happen. It was going to go his way, and he did something creative and damaging with it. But he just Definitely. didn't get his hands on it enough. So um, I think Parrish was good again for, for your Bombers as well. He's, he's had a pretty consistent season uh, yes, without yeah. without necessarily being outstanding as such. He'd probably been overshadowed by the likes of McGrath and those sorts of players. But yep. obviously he wasn't playing due to injuries. So, yeah, poor old D's got to sit in the eight for... Uh, 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 as you say, 24 hours, and <laughs> now they're bu- bundled out, and uh, now they get to sort of sit and wonder what could have been. Well, they've only, uh, um, Gary Lyons said it a few times, they've only got themselves to blame, haven't they? Because mm. they blew a couple of games that they just shouldn't have blown. Uh, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, they've had a massive jump from last year where they were just horrible. I think they were 17th last year, and so to finish. Uh, ninth uh, is is a win. It's a positive step forward. But uh, I guess we're looking at what they did in 2018 and thinking, well, um, yes, it's a step forward, but you're still underperforming. And, and I think that, yeah, there'll be two ways they'll look at it. There'll be one that, well, we've had a great jump back up and we're back um, back on the cusp. And then there's the other angle, the, the pessimistic view of, well, should you be higher? Should you? You've probably won two or three more games and then suddenly you're pushing for a top four spot. So it's a very different scenario. So that's the that's what they'll be having nightmares over, I reckon, for the first uh, couple of days. Mellow Monday might just ease it up a little bit. But other than that, um, they've got a bit of a summer of soul searching, haven't they? They do, um, but the, I think the good news uh, that came out of Melbourne this year was Protracker's development. Yep. Um, I know I potted him a couple of times, but uh, after that he really sort of come along really, really well and he does uh, shape as someone who's going to take on the league a la the likes of sort of Dusty and maybe to greater effect uh, next year, so we'll watch that with interest, I think. For sure. Um yeah, the D's. Yeah, they they continue to be the soap opera for their supporters. I know a lot of <laughs> Melbourne supporters that ride the highs and the lows. So, at the end of the day, you finish higher than my Bombers do. So, uh, yeah, well done. Uh, the Crows, their first ever wooden spoon, as we said, uh, amazing really to have been in the league since 1991, and uh, to make it to 2020 before they had their first uh, last place finish is pretty. Oh, it shows what a great organisation they've been over a long time and they, they mm. will bounce back uh, for sure. But if, And what we saw over the last few weeks shows that Matty Nix is on the right track and also showed that it's pretty handy when you can have Rory Sloan fit and healthy. And uh, and Tex Walker's had an interesting year. He's been he's copped it everywhere, but on the weekend he went and beat a record that um, I didn't think he'd beat and that was to get in front of the great Tony Modra for the most goals mm. for the Crows. Uh, I don't quite think he's in Tone's league though Tone's still one of the most amazing um, players I've ever seen just, a, just yeah. a, a real freak wasn't he and just brought people to the game so uh, different players but uh, well done to Tex for getting that, that record for, which is a testament to your longevity but it, the story's really about the Tigers uh, the Tigers 12-5-77 to Adelaide 4-9-33 they're just warming up nicely the Tigers aren't they they are. Look, to be to be fair to Adelaide, they were really, really good in that first half. And yep. you sort of sat there and questioned, well, can they do it? 
Yeah. Like, can they get four in a row and against Richmond? And then uh, the wheels fell off a bit after half time, and Richmond just moved up a gear that they needed to do and said, "Well, look, we've we've uh, had play time with you now." So um, yeah. they just. Uh, Patted him around uh, like a ball of yarn, like an actual tiger would. Um, oh no, that's, <laughs> that's a that's a terrible um, No, no, it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> um, good inclusions uh, coming into the finals race too for Richmond were Edwards and Asprey, who have been yeah. out for a while. So that just sort of solidifies their their starting eighteen as well. Um, Riley O'Brien was really good and has had a good year for for Adelaide. I was quite impressed with his around the ground work and. Uh, prior to this year, I hadn't seen a lot of him, and I was actually really surprised when Adelaide offloaded Sam Jacobs uh, in preference of O'Brien. And now, you, now you can see why, yeah. and especially seeing Jacobs' year this year at GWS, where he, he by all rights, he shouldn't have really had to fight for a spot yeah. against Mummy, uh, considering Mummy had already retired, taken a year off to train for. Boxing, um, I think he had one bout, Mummy, um, which I'm pretty sure he won. But having that year off, I think, for Mummy uh, would have uh, based his fitness up a bit more. And, yeah, Jacobs just couldn't get into that spot and now he's retired. So, yep. uh, But, yeah, uh, great end of the year for Adelaide. They'll um, go into 2021 with high hopes that they can get a few wins on the board. Shane McAdams has been a good pickup for him as a mature age recruit. Uh, something to look forward to with uh, Elliot Himmelberg and uh, Richmond will be solely focused on winning their first final in two weeks' time. And also that young Shoal for um, Adelaide shows a bit too, doesn't he? He's got some good foot mm. skills and uh, the big one will be what happens with at least Brad Crouch. I don't know if Matt's gettable as well, but uh, maybe you can get the pair. But um, uh, they still know how to win the ball. Um, there'll be some teams trying to get Brad, Brad Crouch now. I reckon my team they might will. be one of them. But there, there'll be a few teams in the in the race. And um, knowing that he's got a couple of years of hard graft at Adelaide, maybe before there's a serious tilt for a, a decent final spot, uh, he might want to go somewhere towards the end of his career where he can have a crack at winning a premiership so there was yeah it might be a couple of players that uh, end up at different clubs out of this year for the crows but we'll see but uh they're the tigers of the team and uh the week off might help them um just with not that they need a lot of help the tigers but tom lynch i, I don't know where, where his injury's at but uh, it's pretty handy to think that gets an extra seven or eight days whatever it is to um you know to re to recover from that, and then we'll find out Monday night what uh, who they're going to be playing the Tigers. But they'll they'll either have to go to Port Adelaide or they'll get to just play in Brisbane. And I dare say they'd rather be playing in uh, against the Lions at the Gabba because the Tigers, I'm pretty sure, probably have a, have a handy record wherever they play. But uh, to not have to move far and just play at the Gabba would be their preferred choice, I reckon. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. Um, and, it, it, yeah, the week off would definitely be beneficial for Lynch, who's been playing with that dodgy finger for a while. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, we'd definitely look at uh, that coming game with, with interest, their, their first final, and see where they end up. But, um, yeah, look forward to <laughs> – I'm just looking forward to the finals in general now. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, Ripper game, Brisbane-Carlton uh, – Brizzy did what they had to do, but um, at times there, Carlton kept you interested. Um, particularly mm. late, they come home and, and made a bit of a 
made a bit of a scare, but at half-time, I didn't realise David Teague had this in him, but he gave them an almighty spray at half-time. <laughs> he he was not. They only kicked a point in that second quarter, and the Crows kicked, uh, the Lions kicked 5-3 and, and jumped out to a really a, the match-winning lead because the final margin was 17 points, 11-12, 78-10-1, 61. Accurate kicking, but, uh, yeah, they, they're lucky the Lions missed a few. Um, yeah, what did you... Did you see the game and... Brisbane were just relieved, I think, to uh, to hold on in the end and just get it out of the way and move on. Yeah, look, it was pretty torrential weather up there too, so half the game was uh, played in pouring down rain, so mm. not great for uh, Kate Simpson's farewell, although he did get a very nice goal uh, in the yeah. second half there, which was, uh, which was nice for him. Um, it was pretty intense too in those wet conditions, um, and I was surprised how well the the ball was handled um lines in particular i feel really handled the ball well in those uh torrential conditions but uh, i think blues downfall at most stages was how they had a few skill errors um just gave up the ball a bit too easily at times um and as you say he gave him an almighty spray I, I don't think they were meant to air that audio at the <laughs> no, time because no. <laughs> it got cut off pretty quickly but, um yeah it made you stand up on end and go oh yeah hang on um it did i feel it did stem the bleeding a, a little bit after half time but it, it they just kept the blues at arm's length i don't think the blues were really in it after that um the kerno tag on neil that didn't work neil had a a pretty decent game, I think, and he was uh, around most places around the ground. For Blues, I actually liked um, Lockie Plowman and Sam Petrescu-Seaton in defence. Um, yep. I, I felt Plowman did a, a lot of intercept work nicely and uh, Petrescu-Seaton running off that half-back line um, gave him a, a bit of options, a la sort of Johannesson from the Doggies. Just gave him that, gave him that little bit of extra to to set up but yeah just the basic skiller has let him down let them down at times I know Eddie Betts is going on for another year which I mm. find we're interesting we're discussing that at the end of the last episode yeah 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 well if he's going on but Cade Simpson isn't um, that's interesting because Cade's playing better footy I reckon than Eddie at the moment yep. um, but uh, exciting for Blues fans that Eddie will stick around uh, and we saw the the retirements of Matty Cruiser as well as Cade Simpson. And the clubs are doing their farewells really well, aren't they? We'll talk about the Hawthorne one next, which was yep. uh, a bit. It was almost scripted, like Jared mm. Ruffhead's retirement uh, the, the year before. Um, pretty amazing how it played out for the Hawks. Paul Puapolo and uh, the captain Ben Stratton were both being farewelled and Poppy's come out and kicked a couple of goals and everyone's gone oh geez maybe he's got another year in him but then um <laughs> and then at the end of the game the bloke who had the longest drought I think between kicking goals was Ben Stratton and Clark has had done a bit of a Kevin Sheedy and shown the sentiment is still alive in footy and he's thrown him full forward and he's Jack Gunston's dished out an eight metre pass to him and he's marked it and kicked a goal and the, the the celebrations were huge and if you're on any of the social media platforms you would have seen the Hawks fans uh, pretty much tearing up at uh, what they were seeing it was pretty emotional stuff so it was a great uh, the, again the perfect send off and the Hawks too good um, winning comfortably in the end 17-6, 108 to the Suns 8-9, 57 yeah, it was all uh, Hawthorne from the opening bounce. Seven goal opening term. It's pretty hard mm. to come back from that when you only kick one yourselves. Uh, it was pretty much party time for Hawthorne for that game, wasn't it? They just uh, pretty much did what they wanted. Uh, and they looked 
pretty good uh, when they were moving the ball up and down the ground. They, they pretty much uh, did what they wanted for for the most part. Suns, on the other hand, did look good when they could get some run and carry going. Yep. Just wasn't often enough, and it was played majority on Hawthorne's terms. And I think uh, on the flip side, of, like, it's really good that um, Clarko had the ability to to flip Stratton down to full forward and just give him that sort of token goal. Um, whereas if it was a, a bit closer, I dare say he may not have uh, made that move. Um, and it does remind me of uh, the farewell game that St Kilda gave to, I think it was Cozzy and yeah. someone else yep. uh, where... They were playing a Ross Lyon Fremantle coach side and uh, that was when Rossi Lyon decided to rest half his players before finals and played a dozen blokes that hadn't played a senior game before and St Kilda's side just murdered them. But um, no, it was nice to see um, like Poppy getting three uh, and Gunston's had a solid year too under pressure as well. Um, having to play essentially a, a key forward position that he shouldn't really be playing. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And, uh, yeah, Stratton getting that goal. But on the flip side of that, as I was going to say, uh, Suns will be disappointed in the way they, they ended that. That's not the way they would have wanted to end their season. No, I think we're glad that it's not a 22-round season for a few teams because it's a pretty long extra five weeks if they've got to play another another four or five games, isn't it? So and the Suns, they've done enough this year to now know what they need to do next and they're probably already looking forward to actually getting started for next year and um, getting Matty Rowell back and yeah, exciting times ahead for the Suns. There's a big story today, uh, Sunday, in the Herald Sun actually... Um, who was it? Uh, interviewed was Matty Rendell, the recruiter, and and he was looking at the the draft. Well, the talent that the Hawks have got in their list, and the talent that the Suns have got in theirs, and the depth. And you know, the headline is um, when it comes to depth, Clarko is in the kids' pool, and Dew is in the ocean. So they're talking about how much depth the um, the Suns have got. It didn't didn't work out too well for them on the day, but looking towards the future, he's just saying that the Suns are setting themselves up for a great tilt. But he also said something I found interesting, um, looking at teams like North Melbourne and um, and Adelaide and even my awful Bombers this year. Um, he says, um, I tell people all the time, you only have to get two good drafts right and you can receive, revive your whole club, which is what the likes of Adelaide can do um, so really it's a, case, a bit like Hawthorne when they had their their great drafts in 01 and 04 that really changed the course of history for them um, That it's an interesting point that uh, if you can get a crack at a couple of good drafts then anything's possible in turning your team around yeah and even uh, some of the Geelong older drafts as well when yep. they had the likes of Joel Corey, Corey Enright and yep. Stevie J and those sorts of guys. If you yep. get them all right and geez, it's, it's hard to do because um, you're most likely going to get maybe two out of five blokes that continue on out of a draft if you're drafting that many. But yeah. uh, if you can get it right, um, it can set you up for next decade potentially. For sure. Um, two teams that have been great for a couple of decades. Uh, the Cats and the Swans played a, a ripper <laughs> a ripper game that kept you on edge until the last second and mm. it looked like for most of the day the Swans were going to cause one of the great upsets of the year and they led going into the final quarter and then Paddy Dangerfield just put the burners down he went forward mm. and he, Dusty Martin sort of stuff he just completely changed the course of the game and it was great having Joel Selwood back for them and 
and Gaza was running around, but it was it was the efforts of um, Dangerfield. Even Rowan provided a few things, and um, the Cats looked like they were home. There was what nineteen seconds left when the Swans got a goal back, and it was a goal of difference. And then uh, Geelong almost uh, thought they had it, and then obviously the nerves kicked in, and then the Swans win the next centre bounce, go forward. I uh, can't think who picked it up, but he had a snap, and uh, mm. it would have been interesting to know the the course that snap was going on because if he had have kicked the goal then it's a draw and the cats don't make the top four um and then big mark blitzer chucks the arms out and smothers what's going to be known as the smother for the rest of his career um and saved a certain score uh and uh might have might have saved Geelong's season if they go on to win the flag the cats that's it's one of those little moments they'll look at and go thank god and they got up 10 9 69 to 9 9 63 yeah, you're right. Could be a, a season, def- season defining moment. Um, yeah, and as you say, that Swans were threatening to do a big upset, and they had the cat's measure for that first half. And I'm going to just pretty much rehash what you said. They moved Dangerfield down forward, and he, you could okay. see the game turning. That it was it was just going in the way of the cats, and they were starting to gain a bit more confidence and ascendancy. And uh, Swans were just dropping off a bit, but uh, credit to the Swans, they kept fighting to the end. And yeah, they got that goal in that last twenty seconds. And you thought, well, hang on, they're on here. And and in that forward line, I think it was James Raybottom that had that snap on goal. Yep, yep. And um, yes, the ever trusty Mark Blixar's outstretched hands. He's uh, he's actually done a lot for that club since uh, being drafted uh, as a former steeplechaser yeah. of all things so um, I'm pretty sure he's a BNF winner there as well yep. So, um, and he can play a variety of roles so exactly. uh, credit to Geelong and uh, they're going to be a force again uh, in in the finals time They will and I'll ask you about their chance to win it in a second, I just had a, I crunched some numbers today, you might be interested in this, Tom Hawkins has sewn up the um, Coleman medal, congratulations to Tom, 42 goals he kicked, now the last time there was a 17 game, or an 18, yeah 18 round season was 1967 mm. and that, that year Doug Wade, a former cat, he he won it with 79 goals. So I was trying to find a year that was comparable in terms of games played. And um, so even there, it's almost double what Tom's got. And I thought, I'll look right back here and see when the last time someone kicked 42 goals to win the league's goal kicking. I had to go back to 1918. Uh, Ern Cowley, who I'd never heard of, played for Carlton. 35 goals he won it with in the last year of World War One. So that's how, that's how much the game's <laughs> changed in terms of goal output for a season and then um, and the last Geelong player to win it was the great Gary Ablett Senior in 1995 when he kicked over 100 so well done to Tom few and far between for the Cats lately and but uh, wow well, it shows where our goal kicking game has and I dare say the conditions weren't quite as great as in 1918 as they are today so <laughs> um, yeah interesting that 42 goals has got him a Coleman this year yeah, I don't think they were playing on carpet-like decks back in no. that era. Um, no, as you say, it's definitely uh, shown how different the game is played now and there's a demand for more mids and, and small forwards to contribute to the goal-kicking tally, whereas uh, gone are the days of your, your lockets and your dunstools and, and your long myers who are, you are heavily, heavily reliant on to kick the majority of your score. So... Um, I think that's part of the beauty of uh, 
dipping back into suburban and country footy, you're still getting those guys yeah. that managed to, to dob 100 goals. And I, was, I remember looking through my Facebook memories this month and there was a bloke uh, playing at uh, Geraldry probably about five or six years ago. He ended up kicking 200 up there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, my mate played for against him actually in the grand final. Yeah, he, um, I reckon I might have been up watching that one. I think my mate's team lost. Um, who was he playing for? He's playing for Strathmerton up there, and they uh, they lost the grand final. And that guy, yeah, he was the he was the one that everyone was watching. But yeah, and I and I wonder with shorter quarters now, and I, I know they might add a couple of minutes on next year, but we may never if the quarters stay short by three, four, five minutes a quarter, whatever it might be. So you're losing ten, fifteen, whatever it is a game, twenty minutes a game. Um, that makes it very hard for someone to kick a hundred. So that's a concern mm. too, because seriously, if someone came out and was on track for a hundred next year, it would be the leading article in the paper every week. You know, it would be a massive attention grabber. Um, but the league and the coaches just don't see it that way. But you want you want fans to just absolutely love going to the footy. Get a bloke down there who can kick. Well, as we saw, Paddy Dangerfield plays a blinder out of full forward. It's going to be the thing everyone's talking about all through the, mm. all through this week and into the finals. So uh, scratch our heads that we don't get to see that as much anymore. Um, and then the last game of Sunday really um, was an interesting start and good first quarter. The Dogs and the Dockers up in Cairns and you. Th- so much riding on this game for the dogs. I know Matty Darnay at, at the papernews.com who brings this great podcast together for us each week. He uh, he was very nervous about his doggies, but after quarter time they kicked into gear and did enough to to get over the line and, and book their spot in September, the second straight year for them. Um, 11-8, to 6-8, They got the job done, but it wasn't always an easy ride, certainly early on, and then afterwards they kicked into gear, didn't they, mate? They did. It was a arm wrestle for most of that match, and I, I think most people were expecting Frio to be right up for this game, and yep. they were going to make the doggies earn it if they wanted it. So, uh, I think the major thing that came out of this was uh, Aaron Norton going out of the game. Yeah. So he got a got a clip in play and had to go to hospital for scans on his. I think it was his eye socket. So um, that's potentially pretty serious and might keep him out of a, a finals campaign. Uh, as a result of that, Dogs had to rejig their side of it. So they, for a period, they moved Caleb Daniel as a defensive forward, which was probably a, a bit foreign for, for him to, to play that role. Um, and they moved Alex Keith, uh, the former cricketer, who's uh, been a key forward, and they plonked him down as a tall forward just as a marking option. So, um, geez, it... I really hate to pot Josh Bruce all the time, but when you when you're grabbing um, your key defender and plonking him down forward just as another marking option, it, it speaks volumes. And yeah. I was speaking to a bloke at work who uh, we were discussing the doggies forward line. I, I feel the only reason why Bruce is still in there, like in, in fairness, he took a couple of nice grabs uh, on Sunday night, um, but he just he needs to kick goals. He needs to add a bit more value to what he's already. Uh, doing now and the only person he's keeping out is Josh Shackey so that I, I feel that's the only reason why he's still in that side because uh, the only key forward that's having uh, a worse season than Josh Bruce down at the Doggies <laughs> is Josh Shackey yeah true um, 
Yeah. Uh, I looking at watching Caleb Caleb Daniel run around on in that game. Uh, I know Thursday night is the All Australian amongst all the other awards that they're doing, the Rising Star and a few other things. And if if, if Daniel's not in that team or really high up in the discussion, I'd be very disappointed because uh, mm. he is. He'd have to be winning their best and fairest, wouldn't he? He's had a fantastic season. Yes. Um, you were you going to go on or no? I wasn't sorry. Uh, you're, just agreeing with you. You're, uh, oh, good to hear. Someone, uh, <laughs> someone finally agreeing with me. Um, just we record this on a Sunday night, and just when we were going there, they uh, they put up an announcement on the AFL website that Harley Bennell, who has been the problem child and just uh, at, at his third club now and just can't can't get a run of it and part of it's injury and part of it's his own off-field actions and he's been hit with a four-game ban and a Melbourne have been copped a $50,000 fine um, because he broke protocol. I'm um, just trying to find out exactly what he did. Um, but it was Melbourne's second infringement after Charlie Spargo and Kasaya Pickett breached protocols earlier in the season. I don't recall what they did, but um, but Bunnell has um, I, I I don't know if you know exactly what he did. I haven't I haven't been able to read up on what he did, but Melbourne's response anyway, um, after being hit the that that figure, that fifty grand, will be deducted from the club's two thousand twenty one soft cap allocation. So they're gonna be I think he's up for discussion for a new contract <laughs> until today. So I, I wonder whether they'll just say, mate, uh, you've you've cost us too much here. So you, you know you're on the at that point when he did make that stuff up, um, there was still a chance to play finals. So you yeah. know they, they'd be fuming the D's, uh, absolutely fuming. Um, Gary Pert, Melbourne CEO, said this is a selfish act by Harley and a clear breach of the AFL's protocols. He's made a very poor decision, which is incredibly disappointing. He's not only put himself, his teammates and the competition at risk, but he has failed to live up to the values of the Melbourne Football Club. Harley knew the rules. He understands the extent of his actions and he's blah, 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 incredibly remorseful. Sure, sure. He's made a terrible mistake, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, I think... Just by that tone, you get the sense that Harley might uh, might not see him play much more footy. Yeah, it's probably going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, I think. Yeah. Um, he, he was probably lucky in the sense that Melbourne were willing to take him on anyway. And yep. look, in, in fairness to him, he was showing good signs, not breaking the game open like he potentially was back in the older days. But... Um, he was showing signs that he was getting back to a better version of himself as a footballer and, yeah, to go and do something like this. I think uh, it's just easier for Melbourne if they just wipe their hands of this and just say thanks for, thanks for the year and um, all the best for the future. Particularly when, um, yeah, lists are going to be cut back and the timings are in this, really. It's just oh, you scratch your head. I don't know exactly what he's done. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not down on the details, but obviously it's... Not smart, whatever. I think he's left the bubble, hasn't he? They all were allowed to have a drink after the game, but I think after that he went to go somewhere else. I don't. I'm sure by the time this goes to air, all the details will be out for people to read. Yeah. But um, yeah, clearly he's he's done a pretty bad thing by the sounds of it. Um, and tonight to see off 
season 2020, amazing really. Um, Collingwood, Port Adelaide, couldn't have scripted it better. They would get a really important big game to finish the season. Um, I, I'm still a bit of a toss-up who I, who I think will win the game, but um, it's, it's big yeah. because if Port Adelaide lose, Brisbane finish on top for the first time in their history. They're pretty amazing mm-hmm. considering the great teams they had in the early 2000s. Um, so that's a big milestone for them. It'd be fantastic. But Port Adelaide have been on top every round for the season, so you'd hate to see them <laughs> drop below because they really do deserve to finish on top. It's been an amazing year for them. And Collingwood need to win to, yeah, you'd rather finish anywhere but fifth. You don't really want to have to play West Coast over in West Coast, I would have thought. <laughs> so no. uh, I reckon they'd be pretty keen to finish as high as they possibly can, which is what can happen. Do you have a tip? For that game, I would expect uh, Port to win. However, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. I, I wouldn't necessarily count out Collingwood winning this. Uh, they did bring back a, a bit of star power on on Monday night when they played mm. the Suns, um, and I think that's what got them over the line in the end because the Suns pushed them uh, pretty far in in certain aspects of that game. Uh, so. Yeah, Trelaw's back to his best. I think the the main thing that will hurt Collingwood is not having side yeah. bottom. So that was the other story that came out uh, at the end of the week, that he's not going to join Collingwood for the rest of the year. He's going to stay down uh, with his partner and his child, which is he's more than welcome to do. So, mm. um, so yeah, that, that'll that probably hurt them because, yeah, side bottom's just a, a major cog in that Big midfield for yeah, Collingwood. big game play. Yeah, massive and always seems to be able to do something with the footy and it'll be reliant on the likes of Trelaw to, and others of that nature to, to do that job and um, whether your old mate, uh, Mason Cox, can do a re- repeat performance <laughs> of, of Monday night when he's got, got his swagger back just well. plucking a, a, an arsey mark <laughs> off a... I was going to mention that too, um, that, that Monday night, which we, we don't generally cover just because it's so far away and out of our minds, but the Suns, when they had momentum for that game, um, they they were just a, a goal or two behind, I think, and Nick Holman has taken a mark a couple of metres out, he's gone to play on uh, straight away, and he's literally tackled straight yeah. away, and that completely shifted the momentum of the game, and that's what got Conwood over the line, I yeah, think. Yeah, cool. Um, no, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Collingwood uh, take on Port. And I think uh, Port should uh, definitely be in the discussions for Premiership race, no doubt, uh, as should be Brisbane. I just feel like uh, the likes of Richmond and Geelong, they've been playing a more appealing brand of football than than the others where, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Port and Brisbane have allowed their opposition to get a little bit closer to them than what uh, pundits probably like. So... Uh, be interesting to see how close Port let Collingwood get to them, uh, if not let them get over the top of them. Yep, fair call. And uh, we talk about big game players. How good is this for Scotty Pendlebury? Uh, if if mm. Collingwood have a reason to get up and uh, have a win for someone, Pendlebury breaks two massive records. The longest serving captain, surpassing his coach, Nathan Buckley. I wonder if Bucks will do the, the Craig Bellamy. I don't know if anyone saw that, but um, Cameron Smith... <laughs> What was it? He equaled his try record or he passed it and uh, he's yeah. looked up to the coach and the coach has given him the bird. Um, I loved it. If it was the AFL, they would have fined him. That's that's the sort of uh, way the league's run over here, whereas uh, we all just had a laugh in the rugby that uh, Craig Bellamy, the greatest coach probably of all time, just sticks the finger up at his 
best ever player just because he surpassed one of his records. I wonder if Bucks will do that to Pendles when he runs out to, tonight to in the big game. And the other one is that um, he passes the great Tony Shaw for the most games ever played for Collingwood, which is a stunning, stunning result because they've had some absolute superstars over the journey and uh, well done to Scott Pendlebury. Still looks like he could go another two or three years, doesn't he? He's, he still looks mm. like he's at the top of his game, which is a credit to what he's been able to achieve. It is. And, um, yeah, as you say, it looks like he can go on for another year or two. Absolutely. There's nothing really holding him back. So uh, his, his legacy will go on a bit longer, I think. Um He'll probably play re- reduced time in the middle. It depends on his fitness levels. But, yeah, one of uh, one of Sale's best exports yes. uh, from memory. And there's a few that have come out of there. Yep. But, yeah, he's definitely up there as one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, and then the debate rages about whether he's Collingwood's greatest. And as I said, there's a, there's a list mm. of superstars, including Bucks. But when you look at the record, Penderbury's got the Premiership and the Norm Smith medal and a million best and fairest and a few Anzac medals and you name it. And... Uh, never really puts a foot wrong or plays a bad game. So he's certainly always played a good game against Essendon, I know that. So uh, <laughs> good luck to him tonight. I hope he does well. I interviewed him for my Norm Smith medal book. He was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, no, I really hope he, he does well for them, which I never say that much about the Pies. But I will. And how, about, how about this? I was reading a few things this week. I don't know if you heard this, but with all the concerns about the grand final being played at night in Brisbane and teams preparing for the, the, the greasy, slippery conditions, they've been rubbing the footies in soap before West Coast have been uh, popping them in the soap before they go out the train and then, or they're in the. Yeah, greasy water, whatever it might be. They're, they're making it as slippery as possible because they, that's how they've got to prepare for this grand final. That that gets me a bit concerned for the spectacle we might see on grand <laughs> final night. Well, maybe uh, Brisbane and Carlton did that because, uh, as I say, I was surprised at how well they handled yeah. the greasy ball. But um, I, think, I forget who it was. Someone was saying something like that throughout the week uh, all the games are melding into one now. I forget who says yeah, what. Yeah, but, but West Coast coach Adam Simpson said it a couple of times too. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah that, uh, there was definitely uh, someone else uh, outside of Simo saying that uh, they used to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, just to oh, who was it? It was Carton, I think. Uh, someone said that Pagan used oh, to yeah. make them train with uh, waterlogged balls uh, if they were expecting wet weather conditions. Okay. So um, yeah, so. It's probably not a new thing. I think the other one was uh, someone was training with half water, half baby oil just to make it a bit slicker. Okay, so, yeah. Well, that um, shows how difficult those conditions really are at night time in, in Brisbane, yeah. doesn't it? Um, rain's one thing. We, you can't help the rain. That can happen in Melbourne or anywhere. But uh, it's the the humidity and the, the, the dew situation and yeah. it's really – very different so uh that's probably my one concern for the night grand final otherwise i'm looking forward to it but uh yeah we want to see uh, as best as possible played in the slick conditions so that'll be interesting <laughs> but um if brisbane get there they'll be pretty well acclimatized to it um that's a pretty good footy wrap of the AFL, I reckon. Have you got anything else to add? Well, obviously, we've got some award nights coming up this week with the week off, and we'll still be back here, won't we, for any given Monday next week. Even though there's no games, we'll have a special guest in, and we'll still cover the footy, so make sure you're tuning in next week as well. But what uh, anything else AFL, mate, before we move on to a bit of local stuff? Um, I think I covered everything that I had written down. I think the... 
the major bad news that came out uh, before the end of the week was uh, we know that the Swans young fella, Elijah Taylor, um, got done breaching COVID mm. guidelines and he's there was something that came out from his partner who he breached guidelines with um, and she posted on her social media that um, he'd been abusive so he's actually been arrested for aggravated assault so his uh, situation's gone from bad to worse yep. and not making light of the situation at all and um, violence against women is definitely a serious matter so uh, yeah if that is true it's not good news for anyone no no, this, we, we can train them up to be as good as possible, but uh, we're not all saints, are we? There's still going to be a few bad eggs amongst them. So it's all allegedly at the moment, but, yeah, just a bit of a downer for the Swans who've had a really good finish to the year, but that's some pretty serious stuff. So, yeah. Mm. Um, I just had one more. VFL, I noticed um, something in the Herald Sun on Sunday, actually, just found it really interesting with the, the shake-up of leagues and the challenges going forward. This, uh, this is just something John Anderson wrote in the Herald Sun. Standalone VFL teams have been delivered an edict for 2021 that points to a strong preference for young talent. Each club is required to have 10 players aged between 18 and 20, 10 between 21 and 23, and a further 20 aged 24 and over, with teams to no longer include a 23rd man. I didn't even know they had a 23rd man. The maximum mm. base contract is 10000 a year plus 500 a game under a salary cap that has been cut from 400000 to 200000 So you're halving. Mm. It's a really... I mean, yeah, what a... Stressful time for those clubs. You think of Gary Ayres at Port Melbourne and teams like that. That um, Andy Collins down at um, oh, I forgot where he coaches now. Sorry, uh, Andy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have. Um, but uh, it's a what a disaster to to be cut by such the it's, the whole league is just going to change dramatically. It is, um, and the the, the salary cap. Slash was already on the cards before the the season went kaput. I think I was having a a bit of a brief chat with uh, a local news reporter, Paul Amy, who's very well decorated. Um, yes. And he, yeah. My my concern about the whole cuts is you're not going to get the best available players in the VFL. They're going to go and chase more money in the bush or in the suburbs. Or so, go into state. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that too, yes. Yeah. So um, the other thing that concerns me about that is the age groups. It, it, for me, that sounds very um, Greg Chappellish with his uh, Futures League in the state competitions. So instead of having an open age second 11, which they used to do, um, mm. that there, there is rules and regulations around what ages players have to be. And uh, it, it's all in the in the role of developing young talent, but um, not all talent is ready to go at that age. Yeah. So um, it, it doesn't ring well for me. Um, sadly, it's not up to me to do all no, that, but, but I don't necessarily want that responsibility either. No, but maybe <laughs> um, next year we might have to get Paul Amy on um, just to have a chat with him. He's an ex-Langatha boy. So um, might have to ask him a bit of a detailed rundown of how the season's going to play out. But uh, Andy Collins was at Williamstown, is at Williamstown. He had to go back to teaching this year because um, <laughs> he couldn't uh, couldn't coach and a bit of a drama. But lovely bloke, Andy, a fantastic chat. We might get him on next year too, actually. Um, 
uh, and he coached the club to a premiership in 2015 and is one of football's great guys. But, uh, yeah, some real challenges for those guys. And then and then you get blokes who finish up. We're talking about players getting cut from teams this week from the AFL. I mean, they're not going to get going to get a chance to go back and play at, at that level, are they, if it's all young kids? No. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, but we will have to cover that maybe next year once this, we realise when seasons are starting. We might get into that one. Um, local stuff, Gippsland region, what do you got for us? What, what feelers have you got out there? Because uh, <laughs> not much happening in terms of games being played. Have you got much for us? Uh, I got a little bit this week, so there was a little bit more movement this week compared to the previous week. So we've got... Teams announcing player re-signing, so Nira Niram South, Tura, Longwari, Dalston, Turidan Dalmore, Thorpedale, Nilmadanum and Trailgan Ties United. Uh, a few coaches have re-signed for teams, so Nira Niram South have re-signed Brent Mouncey. Uh, I know Brent, he's a pretty decent guy, so that's a good pick-up. Uh, Bansdale re-signed Darren Martin and Nilmadanum have re-signed Matt Shorey. Uh, Bull and Bullen have put an ad out for advertising coaches in all football grades. So if you're interested in that, jump on their Facebook page. I've also shared it on Gippsland Footy. Uh, Old Tiny Photo Sales done their regular flashback Friday. Coralyn shared footage of a 1977 fourths grand final and 1961 reserves grand final. Uh, and Nana Goon shared a photo of their 1970 premiership team, which would have been their 50th anniversary mm. this year. Uh, some grand final acknowledgement shares so obviously this is the time of year where a lot of the leagues would either have played or will be playing grand finals so Coralyn, Rosedale, Longmorry, Dalston and Nanagoon all shared um, grand final acknowledgement posts uh, Gippsland football is heading to Northern Territory so uh, Ryan Pendlebury, Scott, uh, brother oh, of Scott yeah. he's headed back up to Darwin Buffaloes so he played up there last year uh, played a handful of games and uh, Gippy Power, well, former Gippy Power boy and Casey player Nick Loudon, uh, I hope I said that right, uh, he is also heading up to Darwin as well so I'm just keeping an eye on that to see how many Gippsland boys head up this year so it might be more, it might be less depending on whether they can get work up there I think. Uh, stories wise, Warrigal Drew and Gazette uh, did a story on the three generations of the Hammond family at Thorpedale Footy Club. So they're a very well entrenched family in that region. Uh, we touched on Scott Pendlebury uh, breaking the games record at Collingwood. Uh, Gippsland Times did a story on Rosedale's 2001 Premiership team. So that was in relation to winning a. A premiership during a tough time so that was during the September 11 time uh, when uh, the Twin Towers went down uh, two junior football leagues so Trailgan District and Sale District junior football leagues have both changed their age groups so they're now moving to under 9s 11s 13s and 15s respectively as opposed to what it was previously which I think is 10 12s and 14s uh, I think one of them might have had 16s as well if not both uh, Lang Lang Footy Club so they've got an ex-AFL recruit who used to play for GWS and Carlton that's Liam Sumner he signed up last year or the or this year this start of this year obviously didn't get to play um he'll have an active role in the under 18s team so uh the president chris brew was pretty keen to get the message out that any junior players looking to get a game down at lang lang and get some uh, experience from a ex-afl player liam sunder will be playing a role with that team 
Uh, our good mate Russell Bennett's got a good article out. So one of the one of the young fellows who unfortunately took his life from uh, Warrigal Footy Club and Western Park District. Uh, Western Park uh, Cricket Club rather his name was Cody Merrick so he's uh, got a youth support foundation uh, set up in honour of him so check out Russell's article on the Packenham Gazette website Uh, Draft Central who do a lot of good work with uh, the under 18 space and interstate competitions Uh, they've got an interview with Gippsland Powers potential AFLW draftee Shannara Notman uh, the local footy show, which airs on Channel 31, they they got to chat to the Nana Goon president, Mick Keane, and that was about the potential West Gippies separation from AFL Gippsland. Uh, so that was an interesting watch. You can uh, jump on local footy show's Facebook page. It's also been shared on the Gippsland footy Facebook page. Uh, as we touched on before, Noah Gown, delisted by Essendon, so he was a Warrigal boy and an ex-Gippsland power fella, so unfortunately just got cut down by injuries and they've parted ways uh and i will finalize that off with uh countryfootyscores.com they are now deciding to list the most successful country clubs by decade so they've started with 1880 to 1890 and they've got a or 1889 i think it is so they've got a nice little video graphic of how the dominating clubs change uh, in terms of premierships won. And it's a nice little, quick little video to show who's the more more dominant. So as we record this, I think they've done two decades. So throughout the week, they'll be be doing a bit more. So one to check out there. Fair chance we'll see um, Fish Creek when they get to the 50s and 60s era. They'll... uh They'll be showing Fish Creek doing pretty well. In the, they, they, they were pretty dominant during that period. Great coverage by you once again, Owen Carter. Fantastic. Um, surprised you found time for all that when you were out partying. Uh, well, you weren't really out partying, partying, but you were partying at home with the fact that your Saints got up and won. And uh, I know you wanted to finish the show with the song again, but I've put my foot down and said, "No way. Um, we can't. We can't double up." So. Uh, but that is it. That's that's any given Monday for another week. The end. We've got through to the end of the season. It's a miracle that we've survived that long, let alone that the league's kept going. But we're looking forward to four weeks of, or five weeks, I guess, of uh, exciting finals build-up. We'll have a very special guest again next week. We want to say a big thank you to Stevie Wright, S- Sydney, South Melbourne, absolute s- star. 246 games, team of the century, and local coach at Kelly Bass now. So it's going to be interesting watch from next year. Big thank you to Steve for joining us. Uh, fair bit to look forward to over the next week or two, mate. So uh, yep. strap yourselves in. We've got plenty more to talk about. Thanks, heaps. Owen Carter, well done again to your Saints. Go, Saints. And if your team is playing finals, all the best to you. Oh, mine's not. <laughs> Go, Saints. Well done. Any given Monday.